Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. And welcome back to another Two Slips and a Gully episode. This one is action-packed. We have so much to talk about. So someone tap us on the shoulder if you hear us waffling on about something because we have a lot to get through. And by we, I, of course, mean my uh, co-host, Aaron. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks, mate. How are you going? I am over the moon. Yeah, we, it's exciting, isn't it? World champions. The cabinet is full. The ashes are around the corner. I couldn't be happier as an Australian cricket fan right now. And just the way that we did it, too. I mean, we played a five-day test match where we played maybe one and a half hours of bad cricket and didn't end up costing us in the end because we were so good at elsewhere. We totally outplayed India. We outthought them. They shot themselves in the foot with a couple of things. Yeah. And we are the deserving world test champions. Over a two-year period, we have been the best team in the world. Absolutely. And you could argue that we are probably the best team in the world the last cycle as well, but run rates and COVID got in the way of that. Uh, we're also obviously going to be talking about the fact that the Ashes are right here on the doorstep. They are starting in two days oh, as we record this. Can't, just, can't you just smell it in the air? So it wouldn't be a two slips and a gully podcast without... Uh, having a bit of chat about this. And uh, this particular episode has a little bit of sentimentality for me, not so much for you, but when I started this uh, this whole thing um, originally with Glenn and Scott, for those of you who have been with us for a long time, uh, but for those of you who haven't, we've gone through a couple of hosts before we managed to get to yourself, Aaron. Glenn's been with me since the beginning. He's not here tonight. He's getting ready for a holiday. Uh, but, yeah, Glenn and Scott and I, we started this, and, and this episode – corresponding episode four years ago was episode one. It was a preview, well, it was a review of the World Cup that had just finished and then a preview of the Ashes, yeah. what was going forward. So it's 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 not it's not to the date anniversary, but, you know, cricket works largely on uh, on secular tours. Yes. So it's it's been four years via 
cricket tour since we've started this one. So and, and what a journey it's been as well. It I has mean, been. It's been um, starting in uh, Glenn's kitchen around a, a microphone and a laptop. We didn't yeah. think we'd be 153 episodes still down going. the road and still and, going. And but it's going strong too. You're definitely going strong. There's and, no... and why wouldn't you be going strong when you've got so much wonderful cricket Coming through, I mean, there's only, there's things that, like, before we go on here, we have a bit of a chat about what we're going to talk about, not really a production meeting or anything like that, just a general sort of feeling of where we're going to go with things. We have to leave stuff out tonight. Oh, yeah, we've, there's way too much. Yeah. Because the last thing I talk about after the, uh, we talk about the World Test Championship and we talk about uh, the Ashes, we've also got the Zimbabwean one day side, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going and to be a big been, one. That's been a big one. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I thought it would be a lot more straightforward. Yes, um, I, I didn't ever think it was going to be straightforward just because of the nature of Zimbabwean cricket over the years. Well, it was kind of the... why I thought it was going to be a little more straightforward because there were so many, without being disrespectful, in the grand scheme of the world, there were a lot of mediocre plays and, yeah. and a few standouts. And I thought there'd be quite a few that were just like, they're going to separate themselves from the pack. You'll have... You know, six, seven, eight guys that'll probably pick themselves, and then it's just sort of squabbling over. But there was, yeah, there, there's challenges there. there. There's quite a few that was like, that's actually not as easy as I thought. I actually sent these uh, these guys a message when we first started looking at it. I got a little bit of a head start because um, I was had, had a, a free day. I'm like, this isn't going to be as easy as I first thought. No, and, and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I actually had to do my homework in a couple of stages because I I started off and I basically come up with a framework of the team that I was looking to, to pick. And then as you go through the records, and there's not a huge amount of players who played cricket for Zimbabwe, but there's enough of them in there who fall into that category of being handy players yeah. who would do a job for you that it makes the choice between them very difficult. Yeah, there wasn't. There was probably – well, there's obviously the big one that's the obvious – or the big two, the obvious yeah. standouts, Flower and Street. But, yeah, everyone else sort of was in a bit of a mishmash of yeah. – oh, I actually have, would include Grant Flower in that as well. Oh, he, he, his one-day record is outstanding. Yeah, that's so, fair enough. Um, he, there was three guys who were who were musts in my team, and then the rest of it's pretty much up for debate. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into all of that straight after this. We'll start with, the, of course, the celebrations of the World Test Championship. He's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! World Test Champions are Australia. The 21-23 cycle, the Aussies have done it. They have taken home the World Test Championship mace, which of course means now we are the first nation to hold, at one point held, every single ICC trophy. Yeah, and um, it was just a magnificent performance. It really was. I thought we played really, really attacking, positive cricket. We put them under an awful lot of pressure. And when push comes to shove, they just weren't up to it. You know, like... I completely agree. I think that overall we played a very good brand of cricket, but I think we're we're underdoing how well India played. I think for mine, if you take out that that Head Smith partnership, and then that last session on day two where they ended up five down, on the outside of that, I think that India probably were on par, or even maybe at times slightly ahead. I think the game toed and froed for the remainder of the test outside of that. But I think India dug themselves such a hole with that Head-Smith partnership and then losing five for not many yeah. to the end of day two. 
that it didn't matter. They needed to be win- they needed to be winning in leaps and bounds, and and, that, and taking match cricket and, for you, and, isn't it? and taking chips out of us or breaking even weren't enough. But I, I think the outside of that, like there was a point at the beginning of the third innings where I thought, man. India run through us here. We've only got a lead of about 300 on the board, and that might not be enough. Uh, it wasn't until we sort of got a bit of a rear guard with, uh, you Carey know, like and Carey and Stark and stuff that sort of pushed over the edge. But, you know, I think India fought back to get themselves at least within shouting distance. But then, you know, we, yeah. like, for largely, I thought they bowled okay out again outside of that partnership i think their lengths like travis head really upset them they're upset the especially the change bowlers thakur and yadav really struggle for consistency to hold down travis head well they undid a lot of the good work that um that uh siraj siraj or uh, yadav not yadav um shami bowled well but i think his length was way too short Early on, and and, 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 not, and not well directed enough. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later when we get onto the, the Travis Head innings. But in general, I thought that they were all of them were half a meter too short on that wicket. Well, I think I think Siraj started right on the money. I think that just over the top of off stump, like he really gave a lot of batsmen some some problems. Uh, he bowls well to left handers, but he? Um, yeah, but yeah, Yadav, Shami, Shami got it back later on. But that opening spell with the brand new rock. I mean, Warner got off to well, they got to forty three, which and he looked good doing it. His yeah. his feet were moving, his hands were moving, his balance was good. Um, it made me feel like it's not about to be a complete disaster for the next five tests. That, um, so I'm I'm I've got some hope in my bones that Warner well, might have a bit be- of the legacy. It's better than series. having that that but he was, sense of doom that you felt every time he was too he was too short. It was too easy for Warner to fend yeah. him off. And then by the time he brought like Yadav came on, he took him for twenty off the over or sixteen off the over, and really yeah. sort of got going. And it was because he, yeah, if he just nibbled around that top of off, but he was just a, a bit too short, half a metre, a metre too short, and Warner yeah. was able to just play it all comfortably off the back foot. What do you think about them leaving out Ravi Ashwin? I thought it was extraordinary to quite honest. Well, I think uh, not only the fact that you're leaving out the world's number one bowler in a team full of left-handed batsmen. On a wicket that you know at some stage is going to provide something well, for you. Well, that's the thing. I I think that they looked at it and um and Robert Sharma got caught up with the fact that it was cloudy overhead and it was green, and he just picked a, he picked an eleven to win the game before T on day one. Yeah, and it's like you're, you're not going to win the game before T on day one. This and it, like the the forecast for for London was. High twenties, low thirties, sunny the whole way through. Like this thing is going to dry out, it's going to bake, and it's going to end up Burn offering it. a bit of a turn. Yeah. And Lyon got quite a bit of purchase in it by the end of it, and with the variable bounce the whole way through, I think yeah. Asher would have been a real handful. But he's just looked at it and went, "Oh, I need all the quicks. Look how green it is." And um, he's, he's picked an eleven to win the game before T on the first day, and and really missed the trick. And what I think it is. Like no disrespect to Barat, but he's got a lot to prove as a batsman in the Test arena. If you've got, you could probably bat him at eight. Yeah. If you pick Ashwin, you could probably pick Ashwin at seven, and then lengthen your batting lineup. Yeah. Um, especially but considering who do, you, who do you leave out for Ashwin? Yadav. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say you'd leave Yadav without because, a question of a doubt. Yeah, because Shakur is a, a swing bowler. Yeah, and he actually bowled reasonably well. Um, at times, he's a very, very awkward customer. He gets the ball to hoop and move around off the scene. So. 
And Yadav, Yadav, he sued, he's suited to that type of wicket. Yadav is a Yadav's 30, of, 35 yeah. years old, and his pace has come down to the fact now that if you've got Siraj or Shami on a real tear, yeah. there's not a lot of difference in their pace. No. So, like, he's he, historically been, oh, he's the quick guy. He's our proper quick, angry, fast bowler. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's, not 30, he's, he's, not a, he's not a young man anymore, and... I saw Siraj and Shami really turning it up for a few spells and getting into those sort of low 140s, mid 140s, which is yeah. what Yadav's maxing out at now. So if you needed yeah. someone to go, all right, we really need you to bang it in and rough a guy up, there's no reason why, you know, Siraj can't do that yeah, sort of thing. Of so I, I think, And yeah. I think Siraj actually likes to do that sort of thing. He's the first one oh, to yeah, stand he, up, you know, I'm going to yeah, drop the, the square leg and without, back. Without and, being disrespectful, he's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Like, he's oh, yeah. Got, he's, he's got that. He's a very angry fast bowler. Um, so I, I think he'd be well suited to sort of being like, yeah. all right, go in and rough, a, rough some blokes up, and yeah. he'd be like, all right, I'm all over that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so some rundown for the game. So, obviously, Australia put on 470, which was um, built off the back of Travis Head's absolutely sparkling 163 off 174 balls. And number 31 from Steve Smith, Test Match 131 for Smudge, 121 he ended up getting. Well, um, and wasn't that just a quality innings? He really just controlled the tempo, controlled the pace of what he was doing. At, t- at one stage, he was very slow. I think he was like 30 off about 100 balls at one stage. I would like to see Smith maybe not necessarily have to turn into Travis Head, but just pushing tick, it, along tick a it over bit more. a little bit. Maybe not put the pressure so much on the other batsmen to because we know we can do it. He came out in the third innings yeah. while um, Labuschagne was and Kawaja were bogged down for ages. He got in there and was going yeah. great guns. I think just a little bit more of that. Uh, obviously, when the condition, I'm not going to tell Smith how to bat. I mean, that guy yeah. is what these close to the best I've ever seen. But uh, just uh, I would hate him to get to a mode where he's sort of just being really insular and he's, you know, going at a strike rate of 20 or 30 and, you know, when he really sort of maybe needs to put the pressure back on the bowlers a little bit more. But um, Having said that, I think the conditions at that particular point in time, because there was plenty, I mean, there was plenty in that wicket all the way through the game if you were prepared to hit the right length and bend your back a little bit, I mean. Yeah. Um, and the way that Travis come out and just said, no, nah, I'm not having any of this. And just you know, oh. dismissed the first two balls to the boundary, and then they tried to get get into his hip early, and those I think they, those shots that he played over mid wicket and over square, they kind of scared him off a little bit. So he and then, he came in at three for seventy six. Yeah. It's a World Test final. It's away from home, which he has not done well. He hasn't succeeded in England previously. Is this his best innings? I think it's very close to it. Considering the magnitude that, that, of what that was That 90-odd that he got up at the Gabba last year was pretty good, and most of his hundreds have been pretty special. But, I mean, that is for just the... I think I, I'm I'm happy to, to sit on this hill. 163 of 174 balls, World Test Championship final, on a wicket that was, like you said, doing a bit the whole way through. You've got the stakes. You get away from home. It's a daddy hundred yeah. for a World Test Championship final. I think this is comfortably his best innings, yeah. comfortably. Oh, and yeah, it's no disrespect to anything yeah. that he did against South Africa or anything he did in the last Ashes tour, but when you're coming in at three for 73, the Indians on a little bit of a roll, you know, World Test Championship final up for stakes, you're a bloke whose career has been maligned by the fact that you can't do anything outside of Australia, and you come out and you just go, you know, it could quite easily be, I need to dig in, I need to dig in, I need to dig in. 
But he's like, oh, I've just made all my runs for the last 12, 18 months by just blasting everything, sea ball, hit ball, yeah. and did it. I think, yeah, this is quite, this is Travis Head's best. This is Travis Head's champagne hour. It must be very frustrating for bowlers right now because, I mean, we sit there and we scream at the screen, you know, why are you bowling short to him outside off stump? A lot of these balls that he's dispatching these days, they're not short. They're just got, giving him that, that six inches of width outside off stump that enables him to get into his wheelhouse. I mean, he hit one, I forget who it was off. It might have been off um, Siraj. It was always Shami or Siraj. And he hit this cut shot. And they had the guy back at point, and he didn't move. Yeah. The, best, the ball hit the boundary before the guy was able to pick it up and start moving. It went that fast. It was a long boundary. It was like a 70 metre boundary. Tracer bullet would have come out of Ravi Shastri's oh, mouth. He was on commentary. It was, oh, it was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was just one of the most spectacular shots you'd ever hope to see. And, um, yeah, just the way he – it's like he, he, he relishes that mind game of, oh, we're a little bit behind. No, I'm not having that. What do we think is Scotty Bollins coming out? We were both very much, and I still maintain that I would have picked Nisa, yeah. but I also said when I said I would have picked Nisa is that I know that Bolland will do the job. Yeah. And, I just and, think and out he, of, on, from fairness sake that Nisa should have got to go. Yeah. But again, you know, I said when I said it, if they've picked Bolland, Bolland will do the job. He'll be amazing, and boy, wasn't he. This knack that he has of picking up multiple wickets in an over, I mean, that just breaks the back of a batting zone to lose two wickets, and usually two middle order or top order wickets in the space of three or four balls. The ball The ball he got Shubman Gill out with yeah. was in the first, in their <laughs> first was, innings was, was superb, wasn't it? Like for a, someone who's not used to English conditions, that is perfectly reasonable <laughs> to leave that ball. It was a mile outside off stump. Yeah. You probably would have go, oh with that extra angle maybe you should have but it, it pitched a fair way out and it just yeah. kept going in. It was yeah. a great ball. The the thing about it was that I found is it was almost like it um an arrow, just the angle that it when it pitched and how it arrowed straight back and smashed into the middle of, of you know middle of off stump, and you could see the look on Gill's face. He had every right to leave that ball. Man. Yeah, um, Nathan Lyon, I thought was a brilliant. Uh, didn't get a lot of usage in the first innings, but absolutely brilliant, bringing the game home four for. The four for forty-one off fifteen overs, knocked over uh, Rohit Sharma to sort of start the rot, and then you know cleaned up the tail. Yeah. Got Barat, got the cool, got um. The, uh, the interesting Mahabhan thing Siraj. too is how he um, you can see how he's worked these Indian batsmen out, and how many of them he's picking up LBW from around the wicket. Oh, yeah. and it'd be interesting to go back and look at those stats to see how many LBs he's, he's nailing these guys. Not getting well enough forward, not getting outside the line, and not being able to get outside the line because of the, the length. Well, that well, he's as, as they've been saying, it's a good line for him because he, he, yeah. if he brings it back to the right hander, he's challenging the pad, the inside yeah. edge, and the stumps. And he's also got the one that will just he bowls across him and holds the line, and he yeah. challenges both sides of the bat, both edges. Yeah. Not and, rocket um, science, huh? um, and yeah, does a really good job. Yeah. Um, just some shout outs to some good performances from the Indians as well, because like I said, I think with the exception of what four sessions, three sessions, I think they pl- they played as good or even a little bit better at times than us, but they just couldn't get that partnership to break that Smith head partnership, and then they just didn't start well. But uh, how good was a Jinko Rahane being brought back as a specialist? 
England batsman. I thought he was fantastic, and I thought he... He, when he, he's playing well, he's that real rock in the middle order, isn't I he? I actually thought he gave me some concerns about how well we're going to do against um, Basball, to be honest. I mean, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, Rahane put the screws on the Australian bowlers, and we looked bereft of answers for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant game from Rahane. I thought he... He's no longer that sort of just rock in the middle order that you sort no, of have to bat he's, around. He's become a bit more expansive as he's so, got older, hasn't so the he? So the IPL good range of shots. Was, was good to him. Uh, I thought Jadeja batted really well in the first innings, probably just, uh, you know, unlucky. Best all-rounder in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and Thakur as well. Another 50 no. batting at the Oval did a really good job trying to obviously – Getting past the follow-on yeah. and getting in, in uh, sorry India at least somewhere close that maybe you know if we we roll yeah. through the Aussies we got a chance in the fourth innings he sort of yeah. kept that that hope alive yeah. um, so yeah, there was some some good performances there uh, Siraj I thought was a um, he's was a, was a warrior into, the whole yeah. way through the game he's turning into quite a quite a bowler isn't he um, and Jadeja when the pitch was starting to turn a bit was as dangerous Jadeja is always a threat with just that way that he bowls where he just targets in on the stumps it doesn't really need to be doing an awful lot for him um, the way he buries his paces he reminds me a lot of Daniel Vittori the way that he used to yeah. just bury his pace with no discernible arm and changing your arm action or, or whatever it happens to be um, a quality performance from a quality player. And the final shout-out that I'd like to give before we talk about some of the issues around in this game was Alex Carey, who I thought, other than his reverse sweep, I know. was Doesn't it phenomenal. Have... Not only with the bat, with a 66 not out to go with his 40-odd. That was also a with wonderful the... counter-punching innings in the second innings. He oh. played so well. Like, when he came out, we were 5 for 124, yeah. um, which is what? A lead of 300. Just over 300, about 315 it was. Um, yeah, if he gets out for a duck and they roll through the tail yeah. and they're chasing... 320 in two days. Yeah, 320, 350. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a, a much bigger ask. I mean, as it is, they got to 234 and, you know, which is still a ways off. But if they're looking at that going, we've only got, we've got two whole days to chase down 350 as opposed to there's no chance that we're going to chase down... 450. 450. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a really, really important innings from that. Um, some issues around the game. We'll start off with a big controversial one, which I don't even think needs to be that controversial, to be honest. Cam Green's catch. What do we think? It's out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's out. I think they did a really good job of explaining it the, um, the, the following day. So why I, I thought... Why I, do we always have these controversies? It landed very, in his hand. Yes. Before it hit the ground, as it's hit the ground, maybe it's still, a blade of grass. It's maintained. As it is, it's once it's in that, it's about the control. It's yeah. obviously landed. The uh, third umpire has looked at it and said it has landed in his hand. Does he maintain control of it? And it does. Yeah. It, his hand. It sits in his hand. His hand lands on the ground. Obviously, with the force of the catch, it splayed his fingers open a little bit, but they're yeah. still wrapped around the ball. So that's why you've got that look of the ball touching the ground. He never turns his hand to prop it on the ground to keep yeah. it in there. He just sort of scoops it up and stands up. And from the the like the very first shot that you can see that it lands well back in his hand. Yeah. There, the shot from the other angle, you see the fingers are wrapped around as the ball touches the you ground. Can make these, you can make these replays look how you want them to look, depending on the camera angles. And there's so many different camera angles that, that they would call into play with that because you've got all these cameras focusing on that particular part of the game. Mm. Um, so there, there are a lot I, of ones I, where the, it's... The, when I first seen it, I thought that's out. The more they slowed it down... 
it gives you that seed of doubt or did he or didn't he, but ultimately... I was looking at it the whole time like, this is out. The yeah. more they looked at it, I thought, they're trying to find a way to yeah, not, not give, to it. give it. out. But yeah. I couldn't see what that reason was going to be. Yeah. Like, I've seen ones where you're looking at it and it's, is the ball reached him in time? And yes. it's sort of like, has he got there before? This has landed in his hand. Yeah. And the hand, back and then, then the hand, hand has hit the ground. The like, it's never been a point where the ball is independent of the hand or it's like in the hand and the hand's turned and he sort of pressed it into the ground to keep it in his, like, it's, I uh, thought. And then following on from that, I thought the behaviour of Shubman Gill was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, well. Um, and I'm happy that he got fined hundred or got fined 15% of his match fee for um, well, for that. It, it probably should have been more, in my opinion, that um, yeah. you, you don't go off back to your dressing room, pull your phone out of your kit bag, and then start hitting Instagram and Twitter talking yeah. about what a shit decision you got. Um, yeah, well... Um, it seems to be the done thing over there. Yes, they get away with that a lot over. It happens a lot in the IPL. There's always these little online feuds and stuff like that going on over there. Um, I, I was pr- well, pretty churlish about the whole thing, wasn't he? Which is disappointing because he seems to be really, really, like, in general, doesn't seem to be that type of person. Yeah. You know, I understand the emotion of it all. But at the end of the day, you've, Everyone had, you've had every advantage there. They were trying to find ways well, the end to of the not day too, give even, you out. Even if it was dot out and he got a dud decision. We've been around on the traps long enough. You mm. don't go and – you can't – it's showing dissent, pure and no. simple. Um, and you just – he's been around the traps long enough. No, that's not what you do. No. Especially don't go and then just tweet it to your millions and millions of followers that, are, yeah. that you... That stir, stir up a bit of animosity. It was, it was childish and classless. Yeah. And uh, so on that, so obviously he's got the 15% match fee, which is actually going to be interesting for him because he actually needs to pay money to um, the ICC because he's then been fined 100% of his match fee alongside the rest of the Indians for slow oh, over right. yeah. along with 80% for the Australians because they were slow but not quite as slow. Uh, um, and the overrate in the, t- in the test matches was the big black mark on the whole thing. Absolutely fast. It was farcical. disgusting. And 12 I've, overs an hour is not good enough. I, because there's obvious – I think they weren't punished enough. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. 100% match feet yet, fine, 80% of the Australians. I still don't think they were punished enough. If I was that, I would be – they would have – they would forfeit their winnings – that should be a condition of that. You need to have, you need to be within, you know, maybe not, maybe one or two, maybe it's a big, big thing for that. But you need to be within one or two overs or passing. You'll run your, otherwise the ICC keeps the winnings for first and second and divvies it up amongst associate nations. Yep. And both India and Australia should be starting on negative points for the next cycle. What because it's one point per over, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was it twelve? How many overs short were? At least. At one stage, I was a full session yeah, short. Four days. Four days of cricket, we'd lost a session. Yeah. That is appalling. So, not, and not a drop of rain involved in Not this. a drop of rain. There wasn't really any ma- like massive injury concerns throughout the whole thing. Oh, look, there was, there was a couple. I mean, when Takur got sorted out by Cummins a couple of times, that would have taken, a, a, you know, that's a couple of overs out of the game. Yeah. But you ex- you accept that because it's part of the, the safety protocols. But, but they, like they take but that into account when they make the, yeah. when the umpires go, you are short X amount of overs. They already take those injuries into account. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Australia Australia and India, having the, obviously you can't do it retrospectively. They need to be going into the final knowing these are the punishments. But I think moving forward for the final, 
if you're unless you're within say two overs of what you need to be doing, not only do you have to pay your fine for slow over eight, you forfeit your ma- your prize money, yeah. and you start the next cycle on negative points. Both India and Australia should be st- Australia should be starting the Ashes in the in the red. Because we were behind as well. Yeah. It is, and it's, it's not the it's, first time. It's beyond a joke. I was having a discussion with Scotty, actually, while um, we were talking about it, and I said it's it's just as illegal as ball tampering. We just don't punish it as much. It's it's yeah. against the rules. You can't not be behind. But yeah. where the punishment for it is so slight that people do it all the time. And the, the argument I was having, Scotty was like, well, it's... You know, when you've got three or four day tests, does it really matter that much? And I said, yes, yes it, it does. does. Because when to... you're losing a session's worth of play out of, but four it's also games. this. Take that game at the Gabba we played with South Africa. Yeah. It was obviously fast bowler friendly. Yeah. Zipping around, bouncy. Now, could you imagine you've got a bit of a partnership going? You know, the, the fast bowlers are on tear. We break through. The middle order is really susceptible now, and you get a roll on and take those middle order wickets, which sets the game up. Now, if you know that you've got to hit 90 overs in a day, you as a captain might be going, man, I can't afford to keep bowling Hazelwood and Stark or myself and Stark and rip through these guys. I'm behind the over eight. I need to get Nathan Lyon on because I've got to catch up. And then all of a sudden at that point of the day where it's best for you to be bowling your fast bowlers because you have to follow the rules, the batsmen get a reprieve because they need to be catching up. Yeah. And I think that's where we get lost is there, there's the obligation to bowl these amount of overs before the end of the day, and they don't because they're slow in the middle. So if you are forcing teams to bowl those 90 overs, which would mean they would have to bowl less of their fast bowlers, in, yeah. and so it would theoretically be easier to bat or easier to score runs, especially, say, for example, England. Yeah. You know, England... Obviously, we'll talk about that Jack Leach isn't out, but the Australians love going after Jack Leach. If Jack Leach was playing, but Anderson and Broad and co. had it on a string, but they were getting behind in their over rate, and they've got to bring Jack Leach on, then all of a sudden you've got Travis Head and Steve Smith and, and Cam Green going bananas against um, Jack, Leach. Jack Leach because England have to bowl him because they've got to put Anderson and Broad on ice yeah. while the Duke ball's still doing a bit. And that's what I mean. It, it's... Just because you've managed to finish the test with so many leftover overs that it doesn't matter about the ones you've lost, you've actually you're, you're taking away from the integrity of the game previously. Because if you were doing it properly, they may have got a bit of a roll on. They may have had the middle order come out and get set and, against and Jack Leach. That influences the way that that um, teams play. I yeah. mean, India are notorious for it. Oh. When when things aren't going their way, and sometimes then when things are going their way. They deliberately, they on average their fast bowlers taken five to six minutes and over, and that's with the, all the chats with Rowett and the wicketkeeper in between balls, the, the constant field changes, the whatever it happens to be. The bowlers need to have a responsibility as well to have your field set and, I, I, and, and, and bowl to your plan. I think the ICC should be implementing like a, an NFL or an NBA style shot clock. From when he calls over, whatever the time might be, a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it is, but you have that amount of time to bowl the first ball of the next over. That's basically what they do in IPL and stuff like that, isn't it? And if you you aren't ready to bowl at the time when the – like if he's not dropping his arm for you to run into that time, that's a mark. You have three of those marks, it's a five-run penalty. And every time you do it after that, it's a five-run penalty for every over that you're not there ready to go at the beginning of the over. 
And it's going to put an awful lot of onus on the umpires to main, to administer that, though. Well, they? I think that I think that's one thing that because I don't think you can say your overs have to be bowled in X amount of time. Because you, if a batsman's on a tear, you're going to want to have time to talk to your bowler, slow things down, change your field and things and like that. And there's so a problem, isn't you, it? You don't want to take away from the ability of the, especially in a batting-dominated game, for the, bat, the fielding captain to wrangle back a bit of momentum. But the thing the umpires can control that don't really affect the flow of the game is cutting down the time between overs. And I also think, too, that if um, we should get rid of the whole thing, if a batsman wants gloves... Yeah. They need to go to the umpire, sir. I need gloves, and they run out gloves. Yeah, not two bottles of drink for the non-striker as well as you. Yeah. You change your gloves over and you go off. I yeah. want a bat. Yeah. Bring out a bat, and not a whole drinks carry full of things as well. Yeah. It's it's no longer this. Every time we go and change over a bat or a glove, we then bring out or new inners. We then have a little drinks break. It'll yeah. be if you're really desperate, you're, you're cramping up. I need a drink. You oh. go and ask the umpire, and they bring it on. But from no more of this. Yeah, look, mate. That's, that's Steve Smith um, calling out for gloves. Yeah. Uh, send the 12th man out there with the, with the drinks, drinks as well and, and we'll stop. Because and, and, yeah, and we'll then the, the non-striker or the other bats want to wander over, take his helmet off, have a drink, have a bit of a chat. And it's like, no, 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 you asked for gloves. Yeah. Give him the gloves and piss off off the field. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the other thing that we need to cut down on as well. So I think, Oh, there's massive amounts of time where we can make where we can make all of these things up. And I think I mean, we need to start in, we need to start enforcing it. It yeah. should be like you have a drinks break every we don't get to stop the game at our level. No. Every two overs to run something out. It's we don't get to stop until it's drinks. Yeah. So I think at an international level you should be afforded the same thing. We stop on the hour for drinks. Yeah. If you need something, you ask me. I will signal as the umpire for the 12th man to come onto the field, yeah. and it will be, what do you need? You need a new pair of inners. Bring out new pair of inners. And if he comes out with anything other than a new pair of inners, he can go and sit down. Yeah. And don't, no, no, don't bring a drink. Don't, he has asked for inners. Bring him his inners. I, the only thing I can say against that is that cricket's played in really hot conditions and with the sports science gurus going on That's about fine. hydration if, if and stuff you're, like If that. you're feeling unwell, ask the umpire for... A drink, and the umpire will give that the all clear. He might go, "It's fifteen degrees out, mate. You can't be that stuff. We're going to be stopping for drinks." And but if it's thirty-eight degrees and you know massive humidity, the umpire will go, "Yeah, okay, that's fair enough." But it just needs that the umpire then clears everything. So it's not the batsman going, "I need some gloves, please," and then you're stopping for five minutes to give everyone a drink. Yeah. So and the fielding team are guilty of it as well. Oh, absolutely. There is. Yeah, so it's very, very annoying from, I mean, we, I don't know when we went to watch the test at the SCG earlier this year, I found that probably the most annoying thing of the whole day is that every time you looked around, there was the 12th man and 13th man sprinting on with a, a drink and everything, and it's like, hang on, you just had a drink. And, and I would think, especially for the fielding team as well, because there's so many fielders on the, like if you need a drink as a fielding team, go and get yourself put on the boundary. Yeah. You've got... Pat, you've got Travis fielding at deep backwards square. Man, I am struggling. Can I go field there for a minute and they can run me around a Gatorade? Yeah, sure. And you send, you know, Cameron Green back out there. He can stand at deep backwards square. The trainer comes out, fills him for the drink, and then it's fine. But, like, you've got the opportunity to deal with individual fielders a little yeah. bit easier than batsmen. So it shouldn't be a, all right, well, they're running out gloves for, for Steve Smith, so we'll send our trainer out now to go and deal with all yeah. of our fielders. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's stuff like that that slows the game down. And yeah. it, 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 
they need to fix it because it is ridiculous. Yeah, it has to stop for sure. Um, if we can get, we need to scrape back. It went finishing what ten overs short in a day. That's like, and we have to remember too. We get an extra half hour. They're, they're playing the extra half an hour every day. Yeah, it's just and a given. Still, and still not getting through their overs. So somewhere along the lines, somebody has to say, you know, this is ridiculous. We need to be pulling back oh, an hour's saying, worth of play. We've been saying it's been ridiculous for ages, but we're just not – we haven't given the umpires the right tools because every punishment that we think would probably make it happen is that's an overreach. You don't want to do that for – for, for overs, so it's coming down I, to... I think it'd be interesting if an umpire actually took it upon himself and so, and like started doing that and saying, you know, no, you just change your gloves. You don't need to change your gloves after three overs. No, 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 you just had a drink ten minutes ago. You can wait. There's yeah. a reason. And when people start running on the field, he goes, no, 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 off. Off you go. And just see what happens, what the what the fallout of all of that would be. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, so we'll move on from there to our Ashes campaign. Uh, what a, again, absolutely ecstatic the fact we've got it over the over the line. We've got it up there. The mace is ours. We played. We 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 looked like at times we were short of a gallop, and we still managed to play a very convincing cricket. And I thought India, with the exception of, like I said. That that partnership between Head and Smith and that one that one innings the one the beginning of the, the sort of the first the last session of day two, uh, I thought they were on par with us really. I thought they 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 went with us blow for blow, but they you know they got but knocked I mean, down. That's the difference in Test cricket, isn't it? When you know we were presented with the opportunity to strike a few blows early, we struck those blows early, and, and it was just able to recover. They was just too much of a recovery game. You can't break even when you're down four seventy. You've got to yeah. you've got to land some haymakers of your own. All right, Ashes talk coming up next. Got it! Patrick Sloval, beautifully bowled. Well. Here we are. We're on the cusp of it. The Ashes. Super, super excited. Uh, it is what Edge Baston's the first one. Little nervous because I saw a photo. We're two days out. It's a very white-looking pitch, so I have a feeling that the uh, fast, flat wickets that uh, Ben Stokes have asked for wasn't just mind games. I have a feeling that uh, that's what he's being delivered. So it's going to be going to be interesting. I think this is going to be an Ashes series where we might be seeing some uh, run records being. In danger. It's going to be as it's an interesting strategy to go with on on England's behalf because we play on fast flat wickets in Australia and well, we're quite used to. Well, that's what Josh Hazelwood actually said. There was a snippet from him going, "Well, we have fast flat wickets, yeah. and we see what happens when they come and play out here." So, yeah. Um, yeah so it's 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 a big deal. This is probably one of the most intriguing Ashes series that we've oh, had in a while for because. Quite a while. Because, you know, obviously it's foreign conditions, but we've got this whole new, fun, brand new thing that we all love about English cricket, which is this, you know, attack at all costs, baseball that's being thrown out there. So there's a lot of intrigue around that. So, and the um, the Aussies are sort of buying into it a little bit, you know, we're not worried, we're not worried, which means that they are worried. Of course. Um, you, you could not have sat back and watched England over the winter, over the last year, and not be worried. And I think any fans, Australian fans out there that aren't worried are kidding themselves because yes. we saw what Ben Stokes did at Headingley. We saw what Thakur and Rahane just did yeah. last week going at the Aussies. And we didn't just go, oh, no, 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 we're the Australian bowling attack. You don't do this to us. Like, we had to work at it to get the control back. It wasn't just a – we didn't just walk in and go, oh, 
That was rude. How dare you hit me for a boundary and then come back the next ball and rip their face off? Like, no. it, it, it's not as... So there's a lot of this, oh, let's see them do it against Cummins and Stark and Hazelwood and Co. And I'm like, well, these guys did it against Rabada and Norkia and, yeah. like... They, They've done it against some pretty good bowling and it's not it's not the doing it that's going to be the thing. At some stage, we are going to get basballed in this series. It's how many times we get basballed and how we respond to that is going to be the key for us in this series. Yeah. They're going to play how they're going to play. They're going to do what they're going to do. At some stage on a flat wicket, they're going to rattle up 400 in a day. You can see it coming because that's just what they do. But how often can you do it? Can you do it once at, once in every one of the test matches to set the game up for you? And the thing is, are you going to be 10 for 400 in a day, yeah. leaving a lot of time left in the day, in the game for us to get back into it? Yeah. Or, yeah, so there's all sorts of things. Like India, sorry, I'm kidding. Talking about India, now talking about England. England play their games at such a frenetic pace that it leaves a lot of time, which I yeah. believe is one of the reasons why they managed to win, obviously not. The primary reason they managed to win, but you know, over in Pakistan where the wickets weren't doing anything, they played at such a rate that they had so much time, which I think is what hurt us because a nothing was happening on those wickets. And we played a much more a sedate sort, sedate of, game. sort yeah. of game, well, and we, then we, tried to we, out, we ate them. We ate into that time so much, and obviously some fantastic batting from Barbara Azam and a couple of missed opportunities. But England put themselves in the box seat by going so hyper aggressive. There was so much time left, which. And I think Pakistan got that that mould that, well, there's so much time left in the game, we can't possibly hope to draw it. So then it became very result-focused. And I think that's going to be the thing is England playing this way will set the game up so early that if it comes to a position where, you know, we're chasing 490 to win, like we almost have to go for it because there's going to be, well, we have no, there's no chance we're going to bat for so many overs to save the game. And I think that's... Yeah, well, well, it probably won't be that because England, I imagine, will be coming through that uh, um, mentality of bowling first uh, yeah. and setting themselves up to chase a target in the fourth innings and back to chase to be, the game. That seems to be one of the, one of the things that they really have focused on is they want to set leave themselves a target to chase on the last day, which I think is brave because you yield the initiative to the other team. Yeah, like obviously, if you've got the confidence that you can chase down whatever on the fourth innings, it's fine. But you know. If Australia, if they yield, if they yield the, the initiative, you've got you know a limited opportunity early with the Duke to go and make some, to capitalise and say, you know, Warner and Labuschagne and Smith all rattle off big hundreds and all of a sudden they're staring down the barrel of a 500-run first innings total. Yeah. It's very hard to basball your way out of that. Yeah, even. It is. So it's... Um, it's, it's showing supreme confidence in their abilities because it's worked. It's Let's not kid around. They've been doing this now for, what, 12 months, and it's worked. They've yeah. And it's worked at home. It's worked abroad. Um, so it's it's a brave strategy. Uh, and it'd be, I mean, that's gonna, what it's going to come down to is can Australia's batters keep up? Because if they can keep up on these flat wickets against the well, I'm assuming they're flat. I've only looked at a picture from afar, but it looked very like we're two days out and it didn't look very green. So you've got to imagine it's only going to get more white as you're going. Yeah. So the assumption oh, being yeah. it's going to be fast and flat. The problem I think you find at Edgebaston, though, is that if you get one of those really flat roadish wickets, it just tends to turn into a batting fest and there's nothing really there for the bowlers. Um, and you, it's going to be a draw, which is really what we don't want to see, but the conditions oh, we'll, will lend itself we'll, to it. We'll take draws. We already have the 
Yeah, sure. Look, I, I think... I'd rather win the series, but yeah. like in the context of the Ashes, yeah. Oh, look, draws we, don't hurt us. If we were to walk away from Edgebaston and still nil nil, I mean, I think our best opportunity is to win her at Lords and at um, Old Trafford. I think Old Trafford will be a, a, a spinning wicket. And I clearly, firmly believe we have the advantage oh. over England in the spin department. Speaking of spinners, so Jack Leach obviously went down with stress fractures and they've brought back How does Mo a and Ali. stress fractures in his back? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh, but really? Maybe it's twisting so hard to find out where the ball's just been clobbered to. <laughs> Could be something to do with that. Bang! Where'd it go? Oh, my back. Oh, my back. That really tweaked that. That's, that's a little facetious. <laughs> He's yeah. actually been bowling really. Reasonably well over the last little while, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but so, so he's out, and they've brought back Mo and Ali. And it's like, then I love it was a fantastic comment because most of the English media are all like, "Yeah, we've got Mo and Ali back. We're amazing. We can't possibly lose now." <laughs> and then Mark Butch has come out and he's gone, "Well, I didn't exactly bring Michael Jordan out of retirement, did they?" <laughs> like. Mo Ali was an honest test spinner at best. Yeah. Like, oh, somebody was on there, I was reading one of one of the media blurbs that was coming out about Mo and how he's excited to be back and everything. And they pointed out the fact that he's got 194 test wickets and he's the most successful spinner since Graham Swan and he's this and he's that. And I'm thinking to myself, but if you look at those 194 test wickets, how many of them were actually good balls? Oh, well, the fact that he's paid for a lot of like he's he's yeah. taken them at an absurd average for someone who's being held in in, in his re- higher regard as he is. Yeah. Like oh, he, look, he's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I think he, he's a, a guy, very talented cricketer. England developed an attitude that they're going to go with a, a, a pace battery and Mo and Ali was a guy that was going to not let you down with the bat and be an honest toiler with the ball. Yeah. Uh, he was, He's certainly not... Anywhere close to the echelon of, of quality frontline spinners, no. but they didn't need him to be. His job was to be a batting all rounder, or you know, a bit of an all rounder that did a good enough job with for the ball. And by the most part, he probably did a reasonable, no. reasonably good enough job for most instances. We, we're probably a little bit biased because we're used to seeing him just being absolutely smashed all around the park and then being knocked over well, by Nathan. He's Lyon. never really bowled well against us, but he's no. done jobs against other teams. So. Yeah. And, you know, being a guy that sort of bats seven or eight and his job is to, you know, pile up like that Gilchrist sort of role, yeah. come out, turn the tables as quick as you can, batting down the order, and then, you know, with the ball, it's it's just, well, essentially you're bowling and so we can rest quicks at the other end. So yeah. then try not to go for too many runs. You know, and, you know, I'd give him overall for his career a bit of a pass mark for that. But he's never been in a position. So you look, so you can't compare him to guys like, Ashwin or Lyon or Warren or you know, front line, no. proper front because that's never been his bag. He's never been the proper front line spinner. No. England have just used him that way because they've 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 steered hard into we're going to yeah. use our James Andersons, our Stuart Broads, our you know, Tremblets and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, yeah. you know, Mark Woods. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's the nature of what it is. I, I think it's a big slap in the face of players that are currently doing a good job in county cricket. This oh, is a guy a, that has completely absurd. turned his back on, yeah. on first-class cricket. Where, I mean, and this, this is the thing about this whole culture that they're, you know, there seems to be a very much a mate's culture going on in this English squad. And when they're looking at, who we need to bring in. It's not just about who we bring in. It's like, a, is he a mate of ours? Is he like a, a good guy and is he going to fit the system and everything like that? 
if I want to one of these county spenders, and I'm knocking guys over for fun at the moment, which probably isn't happening, to be fair, because of the conditions over there, um, I'll be pretty dirty. Well, see, the thing is, if Jack Leach is your hands-down, undisputed number one spinner, yeah. you're not developing spinners good enough because Jack Leach is... An honest county toiler. He's, he's not good enough to play test cricket around the world. No. Just flat out not good enough. No. And if that's the guy that, if healthy, walks into your side, then you're not developing your spinners enough to be able to succeed in places that you need spinners. And like if you look at it, if you look at it, they took now. over to um to Pakistan. They're taking Liam Livingston. They're taking Will Jack. These guys are batting like they're batting yeah. all rounders. Yeah. They're all rounders that spin the ball a bit. Yeah. But where's Who, the next... uh, I mean, Livingston bowls both. He bowls leg spin and off spin. And so, what that, the thing is, how serious do you take that? How does picking Moan Ali in any way help the development of future spinners in your country when you're going back to a guy that has flat out said, "I am not interested in playing first class cricket anymore," yeah. and then you go from Jack Leach, who if he's the best. You're the best that your country can produce. It's a it's a damning indictment on spinners in your country. Hmm. And then when you've given a chance, then like, why would you bother being like a young kid being a spinner? Go, oh, I can grow up and be like, I can, I want to be a spinner. And they go and they just pick some bloke that I'll go and play. I'll get a job at you know at, at Sussex and I'm going to take a thousand wicket for Sussex and I'm just going to be amazing. And they do that and they go, oh, well, what's the point of being a spinner? I should just go and play T20 cricket and yeah. swing the bat a bit and I'll make the English side as a spinner as a you know, a bits and pieces bowler with a half decent eye. Right. Uh, it's just it doesn't it doesn't work long term for Test cricket to be. That's, it might work that's in the road they've gone down. It might be work in England where you don't really rely on spin too much. But but England only play half their Test matches at home. Yeah. So so I mean it's I will I'll be really dirty as a county spinner. Yeah. You know, even if you've shown a little bit of potential, just a little bit of potential that might. You know, or even some, someone out of left field like a Parkinson or something, Matt Parkinson, a leg spinner. Do something different instead of, like, keep trying to set these fingers. Because I can tell you what. I can, I can it, tell you mowing going for plenty in this. It might bite us in the ass. It may absolutely bite us in the ass. But I can tell you, as of right now, when they announced that when Jack Leach got injured and they went, we're going to pick Moen Alley, absolutely no one in the Australian camp were worried. No. They went, oh, really? Well, he might hurt us throwing the bat a bit. Yeah. Until we bowl some bounces at him, but when they went, oh, we've got to face Moen Ali as their main spinner. Not a single one of the Australian batsmen went, oh, geez. No. They all went, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. God, I hope I'm in when they bring him on. Yeah. Like every single one of them to a T went, Moen Ali's their test spinner. Excellent. Yeah. Like, and and I that's no dis- that's, and that's no disrespect to Moen Ali, but that's all they would have went. They all went done. Can deal with that. Moen Ali's in. Not worried at all. He might come out and have an absolutely amazing series and prove us all wrong. But I can tell you right now, on the face of it, not a single player from the Australian lineup went, "Oh no, Moen well, Ali." I can say with confidence now that if he comes out and has a man of the series effort, England win. Oh, for sure, oh, absolutely, for absolutely. sure. All right, let's look towards the Aussies. We've we've bagged out the Poms a bit, so all we talk- it felt good, didn't it? <laughs> We, we talked about Warner in the uh, the World Test Championship. He's coming in, obviously, in a massive form cloud. It looked like it is dissipating, that that, that cloud. He's he's finding his hands. He's finding his footwork. He's you know he's getting the weight over the ball. He looked good for that 40-odd. I mean, he did, and I think he was a little bit unlucky in the, in the second innings as well. He was playing an aggressive shot. His footwork and everything was quite good to the ball itself. It just kind of got away from him a little bit. And I think it kept going a little bit further off the seam than what he thought. That'll happen. Yeah. Okay. I'd much rather see him doing that than pottering around, getting castled, you know, trying to play I'm, defensive shots. I'm more like concerned 
funny enough, about Kawaja. Yeah, the water. that was my, going to be my next point. Kawaja looks like he's down a little bit down on confidence. He hasn't played a lot of cricket. And so, he's the sort of guy who really likes to play a lot of cricket. I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that he hasn't played cricket in a while. He's a bit rusty. But that Kawaja with the unsettled footwork and the hands that were poking at stuff yeah, was, the Kawaja, was the Kawaja that got dropped in 2019. Yeah. The Kawaja that came back from that dropping yeah. was positive. sure of himself, was positive. He didn't get squared up at the crease. If he plays, if Kawaja plays like that, he'll have an awful series. He needs yeah. to, whatever he was doing... He needs to get back to it. Needs to get back to it because that was rather concerning. Um, I suppose the rest of the team is largely going to pick itself. We're going to see Labuschagne at three. We're going to see Smith at four. We're going to see Head at five. We're seeing Green at six. Kerry at seven. And then we've got to the bowlers. So, um, you know, Cummins, obviously the captain, he's talked about his aim is to play all every six test. every test. Which um, is what we want from our captain. Absolutely. Uh, then we've also got, um, you know, now we've got the cartel of... Bollin, Stark, Hazelwood, and then Nieces around the traps as well. Uh-huh. What are we thinking for the first test? Who's making it in there? Um, Hazelwood is apparently fit. He will be fit for the first test. I'm kind of leaning to give him Mitchell Stark a rest. I Before the World Test Championship, I was happy to go back to give the New South Wales cartel. You know, Hazelwood is the man. Um, you know, Bollin filled in for him. Hazelwood's fit. You go back to the proven commodities. Yeah. But the way that Bollin bowled, I'm all, I'm leaning a little bit towards you. I'm leaning that maybe Kasak did not look good for a large part of that. No. Again, struggled for rhythm. Was really looked short of a gallop. Hasn't played a lot of cricket in a while. Uh, I think coin to like held a gun to my head, make a decision. I'm backing my Stark Hazelwood Cummins bowling attack, but I'm a lot less sure of it than I was a week ago. Yeah, um, I think um, I'm going to. We have ba- to look at Mitchell Stark's history in England as well. He only played one test in the last yeah. in the last Ashes series and did reasonably well. well. I, I do think that Stark offers you something a bit different, yeah. especially. Oh, yeah, it's if, a lot different, especially you know? if they're going to come at you. You get you know around the wicket, bowl in reverse swing, getting some bounces, a bit of extra airspeed. Yeah. I, I would take the punt for the first test if Mitchell Stark struggles for rhythm. Um, then yeah, I'd be going. I'd be putting him on the on the on the bench and bringing back Bolland, Hazelwood, Cummins for mm. as many tests as I can. But just with the propensity for England to be going hard at us, yeah. and guy, if he manages to get that juke to talk, um, could end up cleaning up a few guys trying to you know be a bit too aggressive. Yeah. Um. Um. And I actually feel like in, there were a couple of English batsmen who wouldn't admit it, but they've got a few Mitchell Stark scars to talk about from the last series, in particular when he started really hooping the ball around. Yeah. Um, he is. And he's, when, he's, when he's, he's got it when he's got it going. He is just lethal. Oh, when he's got it going, he's the he's the most valuable bowler to our lineup, inclu- oh, sure. including Cummins. Yeah. Um, but it's just when he's got it going is obviously, you know, there's a big difference between his best and his worst. So I'm, I'm I felt sure about taking Stark a week ago. Now I'm taking a punt with Stark, but yeah. I would have I would definitely have Hazelwood. I definitely have Cummins if they're fit. Um, and uh, Boland has played himself into if Stark doesn't get it uh, doesn't get it right, then um, yeah, I'd be moving on from him quickly because if he's going to leak runs like that, then we can't yeah. really afford to be carrying. We can't him. have somebody leaking runs in the fashion he did in the last test against guys like the way that England are going to play. I'm actually I'm very very optimistic that our bowlers will do very well against the English batters. Um, because there's there's one thing about being aggressive and it's another thing being impetuous. 
And the line between impetuous and aggressive with Bazball is very, very thin. And it would only take a couple of bad shots from a couple of batsmen and all of a sudden you're four or five down for not very many. Um, I know you, you, you're you lengthening your batting line up by bringing Mullen in. Um, where are we going to – where are they going to bat Bairstow? Is Bairstow going to bat us at seven? I would imagine they have a largely the same as what they had for Ireland. So he'll probably bat in the wicketkeeper's spot. So what you'd have – uh, Duckett, Crawley, Pope, Root, uh, Stokes. Stokes. Who was it? Six for him. Oh, who are we missing? Oh, Brook. Yeah, Brook right. No, Brook, Brook will bat five and Brook, Stokes will bat six. Brook, Stokes, um, and then Besto, and then Mowen, and then yeah. the Bowlers. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a really good batting lineup, yeah, uh, especially the way that they've been playing. Um, yeah. Be nice to get in and get stuck into Harry Brook a bit. You know, he's obviously got yeah. some runs under the belt against Ireland, but he had a real bad time in the IPL. So it'd be good to get him cheap early and not let him get into the series. Absolutely, he's he's a big X factor for me. I mean, I watched a fair bit of him over in Pakistan, just tearing. I will say one thing about the Pakistan bowlers during that series: I thought they were poor, their lengths were poor, and they were intimidated by. Yeah, the way that they he got played. Well, it's going to be a big thing for us because we got intimidated by Stokes at that game in Headingley. So we've got to um, make sure that we are prepared um, to ride the way. He's, he's a, a bit of a conundrum for him at the moment, Ben Stokes, isn't he? I can't see that he has to bowl in this series. He cannot be like missing innings as a uh, entire yeah, innings where he doesn't I, bowl. I don't want to call it early, but if Ben Stokes doesn't bowl, I don't think England win. No, nor do I. Well, if they're going to be playing on flat wickets, yeah. With Mo and Ali as their spinner and yeah. no other real bowling option, yeah. they're going to need Ben Stokes mm-hmm. because imagine we like if, if they're going flat wickets, I mean they're just as flat for us as they are for our bowlers. So if you're finding not. it easy to go after Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins, Bollander, all that, and heating them around, our batsmen are going to find it just as straightforward going after yeah. Anderson, Broad, Robinson, and it probably those a little guys. bit easy because and then we you have. We have the advantage in airspeed on this English attack. And then the end, we've got Nathan Lyon, who is an, a world-class spinner, yeah. helping to tie things up, and Cameron Green to shoulder that bit of the load. Yeah. You guys got Mo and Ali, who in the test arena, especially against Australia, has been proven to go for runs. So if you're getting Broad and Anderson getting a bit of bit of tap, and you go, all right, we'll change things up, bring Mo and Ali on, and he gets some tap, then what are you going to do? Yeah. You've got to go back to your, your quick somewhere. So... It's a massive, massive out if they don't get if they don't get significant overs out of Ben Stokes through this series. Yeah. They're they're in a, especially if the plan is flat, quick, fast wickets. Yeah. We love flat, quick, fast wickets. Everyone makes fun of Australians when they go overseas because all they do is play on fl- flat, quick, fast wickets at home. So they're you know they call us flat track bullies or home track bullies for just, a reason. And you're going to give us flat tracks, flat tracks. Um, so it, it's. They need Ben Stokes' knee to be fine. So hopefully with him not playing against uh, Ireland, or not, not bowling against ball, Ireland, yeah. it was more just to preserve it. But if he's got genuine issues where they're going to have to really monitor his bowling load for the Ashes, like England are in a, and it might mean that they might have to drop a, a batsman to bring in someone like a Chris Wokes or someone yeah. who can offer a bit of yeah, bit of bowling and some, and some batting. But yeah. um, it's... And that's another big thing why it's a, for Mo and Ali to be picked is because, like I said, we're not concerned about 
Moen. That's not to say that Moen Alley isn't capable of, of shifting a game, but at the moment, Australians aren't concerned that Moen Alley's been given the ball. No, we're, we're going to we're going to looking forward to. We're going to look to go after him no. and try and get as many overs as we can into those legs of Anderson and Broad and no. see how much like how fit they're going to be. So I actually think um, a really good matchup for us will be a guy like Cameron Green, big tall guy who gets down the wicket against Moen because Moen will toss the ball up. Okay, and Cameron and Green on his day will just keep depositing him miles over the long line boundary because that's the way. I he think Travis to go. Head's going to be a massive match because they'll think that they'll be able to bowl Mowen to Travis Head quite a lot because he takes the ball away from <laughs> no, him. But no, Travis, no, that'll no, just no. I can Travis see Travis Head him. absolutely carving him up. Um, all right, well, um, we'll leave it there and postulate more. I'm very, very excited for Friday because there's going to be a lot in terms of who's being picked, what the wickets are going to be like. You know, is all this bravado about uh, baseball and, and, set, and doctoring the wickets because it is doctoring? Yeah. Come at me, England, I don't care. Doctoring the wickets to suit baseball, is that going to pay off? Is Has Warner going to have a legacy series and, and pay us back for all of the hurt that he's – Put us through before as yes. he managed to. Well, I mean, he's talked about playing through to the end of the summer, and I don't know if he'll play through to the rest of this series. Yeah, he might so, not be playing after the first test. So, so uh, is he going to manage to come through? Is Smith going to con- can you know, continue the golden run? You know, can he continue the golden run? I mean, it's just the amount of runs that this guy has made in England is just absurd. Yeah, you know, is Cameron Green ready to make continue that next step? He's got that hundred off his back. He was a bit rusty I with the bat coming back from yeah, the IPL. No, I was actually, his second innings, I was very pleased with him. I know he was he wasn't slow. Quick, he wasn't quick enough. He needs to find, yeah. uh, you got to be more yeah, assertive. He, I was more about the fact that he was getting the basics back. Yeah. He'd gone away, he's getting his hands nice and close to his just, body, moving his feet. Just keep rotating that strike, up that strike. Look, that's and what, and you'll find it easier to bat yeah. doing that. If he I just, think that's always going to be a bit of, I think it's he, always a bit of an issue for him. I think he overcorrected. He was like, oh, we're in a really good spot here. I'm going to go out and start blasting and things and keep the run rate going and went too hard, got out for nothing, yeah. came back, the ball was doing a bit, um, India were bowling well and then sort of went into his shell a bit. And I think he just needs to just find that nice medium where he yeah. sort of gets set and then just pushes on. Oh, there's nothing that he did during that game that had caused me any concern at all. I thought he was pretty good, really. Yeah. he's bowl- I'm actually really going to be interested to see how well he bowls in England. Because on these flat bouncy, if they want to give bouncy wickets, the guy six foot seven bowls one hundred and forty k's. Okay, that's your call, man. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> bring it on. Bring on Edge Baston. Cannot wait. We'll see you guys on Friday. But after this, we're going to get stuck into the Zimbabwe side. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. All right, we've come to the final segment of this episode, and that is, of course, our world ride trip to find the best one-day international 11s for each country. We've already rattled off quite a few, and we've finally got to Zimbabwe. Uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting experience. It's it's th- certainly thrown out a few more curveballs than I thought it was initially going to. So the way that we work this, as we've talked about, is, again, it's not to really apply too much to Zimbabwe, I wouldn't think, because they don't have the, exactly the longest history. But with one-day international cricket being so different from when it first started in the 70s to what it is now, we've sort of taking that into account. So a really good example is we picked Graham Gooch in our English side. Now, Graham Gooch's numbers on the face of it aren't that impressive when you compare them, say, to a Johnny Bairstow. But you've got to remember that Graham Gooch was playing at a time when you got to 240, and that was a really good score. 
whereas Johnny Bairstow's got the luxury of playing where 340 or 440 is even a very good score. So uh, it's not purely on based on statistics. you sort of got to work in with what was the expectations of the era in and around it. Otherwise, if you're just doing it purely on stats, then you'd have your all-time one-day international side would largely be made up of players playing post the year 2000 because yeah. they just scored more runs. Absolutely. Uh, so it's with that being said, you know, uh, Zimbabwe have a fairly late start, all, all things considered, to to the game and their, their history isn't as long. So there hasn't been too many, I feel, um, uh, instances where you can't really take stats purely on, well, not purely on face value, but they offer a lot more face value than, yeah. um, than say, England or Australia or the West yeah, Indies. Their, their, their history is much more based in a much more modern mm-hmm. time, yeah. essentially. So the, the, the numbers are a bit, bit more reflective of, of where they, where sit, they, sit, where they the, sit overall. Yeah. That being said, still, there are some changes. So we, um, I suppose the other thing to consider as well is, you know, in the early days, Zimbabwe played everybody. Yeah. Um, so they would have played much better opposition the earlier they played, whereas uh, nowadays they're, they're largely playing mostly against, I don't want to be disrespectful, they're mostly playing against lower-tier nations. Yeah. Um, and they're not playing as many games against the, the, you know, the South Africans, the Australias, the Indias, the Englands of the world. Uh, so sometimes you could sort of take some of those stats with a bit of you know how good are the oppositions they're playing. But uh, so yes, what the idea is that we're going to be uh, trying to get through and find the, the best eleven for for this Zimbabwe inside. So we'll do what we always do. We'll start at the top. So Aaron, have you got something, someone that you'd like to throw out as a potential opener for? Yes, I do. I actually have an opening pair in mind, very specifically. Um... I have picked Grant Flower and Alistair Campbell as my openers. Ah, yep, 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 yep. Very good. The reason being is um, I think I don't really want to have Grant Flower. Grant Flower is the sort of guy who can anchor an innings bat a long, you know, bat a long time. I mean, the amount of not outs that he's got in one day cricket is, is pretty impressive. Um, he doesn't score as fast as some of the other guys, but he's a very, very solid player and, and had a pretty good record as an opener. Um, Alistair Campbell was that dashing guy. He'd come out, throw the bat, score his runs at a pretty good clip, and I believe the two of them were a, a pretty good combination to have as, as an opening pair. I mean, there are other guys. Uh, well, I've gone and looked at it as well. Uh, I've had a look at some other guys. I'm with you. I've definitely got Alistair. I've got both of these guys in my side. I don't necessarily have Grant Flower as an opener. So I've got Alistair Campbell. So I think we can safely lock him away as, mm-hmm. as an opener. You're going to get over here. Five and a half, or just over 5,000 runs. Uh, average 30. Uh, strike rate is 66. 730. 50s. But I believe when you factor in only his games as an opener, his average goes up to about 35, 36. So, yeah, and his strike rate goes up considerably as well. And uh, I believe he knocked over at least 100 against us as well. Yeah, so, it was a, a, I actually remember it was a very, very good 100. So, yeah, he's, it was a fantastic player to watch as well. I used to love it when Zimbabwe would come over for those one-day international tri-series and you yeah. got to watch them go. It was it was great fun to watch. Um yeah. I've got want to throw out uh, a player because I've got Grant Flower batting at five in my side. Okay. Uh, and just to give some context on that, yes, he had 137 innings opening the batting, 400s, 28 50s, 33 at a strike rate of 65. Fantastic numbers, especially that you already played in. Not to mention what the hundred plus wickets that he got as yeah. well. Um, I think we're I think we're pretty much on the money saying Grant Flower will be in this side. Yeah. If you have, which is where. 
I've got him at five. He's only played 35 innings there. Four not outs, 200s, 550s, 142 is his highest score. 1,100 runs at five, average of 37, strike rate of 74. Yeah. And the reason that I've got him there is because I want to throw a name at you, Neil Johnson. Yeah. Um, so I've got Neil Johnson in my side because despite the fact he only played 48 matches. His record's outstanding, actually. He's got um, an average of, uh, I think it's 35. 36 and a half, yeah. opening the batting. 400s, I think there's 1150s to his name. Yeah. Uh, he scored two of those hundreds against Australia in the late 90s, which is no mean feat. Yeah. Uh, scored another 100 against Pakistan. But he also has 35 wickets at 34, bowling medium pace. And one yeah. thing that I found going through this is there's not a lot of really good bowling options for no. Zimbabwe. No, so you, we, we've got we're basically one... looking to load as, up as many part-timers as we can get into this team, I, I'm starting to feel. And, I, and honestly, I think the reason that you'd make an argument for him not to be in the side is the fact that he only played 48 matches. But when you look at the, the history of Zimbabwe in cricket and how you know tumultuous it is, 48 matches is actually a reasonable chunk of a career. Like He got a fair bit of work done, and it was really good work for the time he was there. Yeah. And I just think that um, that would add just a little bit of depth. Like He obviously can do the job as a bat. He's got 400s and 11.50, so he's a quality bat. But he gives you another pace battery option, and I just think that's something that looking at that quality pace bowling is something that outside of Heath Streak... Yeah. Um, they don't have a big supply of. No. Look, I would have no problem with that at all, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I threw up the the Grant Flower-Campbell combination more because I think, not because they would have ever really batted a lot together. I'm not sure that they did. But just as a combination, I thought they would have been really good at the top of the order. But Neil Johnson's record is impeccable. Like you said, 48 matches for a guy playing for Zimbabwe who don't play a lot of cricket, and 15 times he's been past 50. Yeah, that's pretty good going, man. That's and, like one in three. That's did it against some pretty handy opposition as well. His other hundred was against Kenya, but um, yeah, but that would have been probably in a World Cup or something like that, yeah. or in general, you know, in the African tournament of some type. So yeah, I would have no problem with Neil Johnson being um, one of the openers with um, Alistair Campbell. And uh, he took his most wickets against um, a combination of Kenya and South Africa. So he took seven wickets against South Africa at 28. That's probably his big standout. Oh, he got seven wickets at 16 against Kenya. But he's, you know, very, very small sample size. But yeah. early 20s against Australia, early 20s against Bangladesh, low 30s against England. Uh, India obviously took him apart a little bit, you know, mid-40s there. But, you know... I just think as a, a, a part-time, you don't even necessarily need him to bowl all 10 of his overs, but he's no. obviously someone that can bat at the top of the order and give, give you some, a bit of love. Yeah, give me something. Well, have we, are we happy there? Have we locked oh, in three, three spots then? You're I happy think we with have, yeah. The Grant G. Flower at five, Johnson and yeah. and, um, and Alistair Campbell at the top? Yeah. Mine, number three is going to be interesting. I was going with... Um... Well, just before we do that, I'll give a bit of a shout-out because we sort of just glossed over... Um, Grant Flower a little bit in all that. We've just gone, oh, yep, 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 yep. And then went, oh, we should probably talk about um, how good a player Grant Flower yeah, actually was. was yeah. So, you know, average 33, strike rate of 67, 600s and uh, 40-40s, 40-50s, I'm saying, sorry, <laughs> um, over 200 matches, 18 not outs. And uh, to go along with that, he was a more than handy, he was a left arm. Yeah, left arm, um, yeah. Uh, 104 wickets. Yeah, it was at 40, but he was never a frontline bowler. But this is a guy that would just come in and consistently do the work. A um, couple of forfers, 
you know, economy under five. Yeah. You know, he's, That's he's, pretty good going. He's doing a reasonable job to sort of just yeah. hold on, give you some overs in the middle sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it just bounds and bounds of experience. So, mm-hmm. uh, so who have you got at three? Um, it's kind of been thrown up a little bit in the air now. I, I come in and I was having a Hamilton Mads cards up. Um, I'm probably going to lean away from that a little bit and go with... Um, Oh, I don't really want him to bat that high, but I'd probably put Andy in at three. Uh, well, I I was looking up this. I think that three and four, uh, is straightforward. I think it's Brendan Taylor. He's batted a lot at three, scored a lot of runs at three, and Andy yeah. Flowers. A great sorry, Andy Flowers' best position is at four. Yeah. Um, so I had Brendan Taylor there. So Brendan Taylor at three, Andy Flower at four. That that actually works for me as well. I was toying with Taylor a little bit further down the order because Andy Flower is clearly the best bat in that team. So we don't want to have him too far down. The well, order. You, you say clearly he would be, but statistically he's not. He's not. Um, obviously, this is one of those ones where it throws up. Andy Flower is absolutely the best. The best. Player. Batsman on that team. Numbers-wise, it's Brendan Taylor. But Brendan Taylor also played in the era where they were playing Bangladesh and a, yeah. a poor Pakistan and, yeah. and Minnow Nations quite a lot, whereas Andy was doing it against Australia, against England, against yeah. India yeah. and all yeah. those sort of things. So, um, uh, so sorry, Brendan Taylor averages 43 at a strike rate of 82, batting at three, uh, 300s and 750s. Um, and then, yeah, Andy Flower is, of course, Andy Flower, and he's like, well, we nearly had Andy Flower in the test all-time test 11. Well, I made an argument. I lost it, but I was making an argument for Andy Flower to be in the uh, all-time test 11. The guy is just oozing, oozing class, um, and is, yeah, he's definitely the best batsman Zimbabwe has produced. Batting at four, he's got 200s, 2450s, uh, strike rate of 80, average of 37, um, and it's where he scored the most of his hundreds. So yeah, I think we can lock those four. That that top four is very solid. That's a really good top four. Oh, well, with, with Grant Flower then at five as well, yeah. that's not a bad top five, all things considered. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's probably about as good as you could put out there. Like I said, you can make an argument for a couple of other people here and there, but based on, if we're just going to. And we're focusing fairly heavily on their numbers because their numbers are probably a lot more relevant than what they are with other teams yeah. compared with the eras and stuff like that. Well, I think there's no doubt, too, that they, well, with the exception maybe with, you know, there's not a great sample size of Neil Johnson, but still 48 no. matches is quite a lot. But no. these guys have played a lot of games for Zimbabwe. No. They've been linchpins of the Zimbabwean side for that no. time. You know, the Flowers were... That's what they, they were the Flowers. Zimbabwe yeah. were <laughs> the yeah. Flowers and Zimbabwe. Like, that's no. how you identified them. Brendan Taylor has been... He's been like their the best. captain. He's yeah. been their best player for quite a while. Yeah. Um, you know, he was. I remember him rattling off a couple of hundreds. Was it that twenty fifteen World Cup yeah. over here? I think he rattled off a few hundreds in the group stages. Yeah. Like these guys, even if you throw numbers out the window, it's it's obvious on the eye that these are, yeah. you know, four of the, the out of the five guys we picked, four of them are quite obviously yeah. four of the best players they've had. And Neil Johnson, you look at it, his record speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, who've you got at? Uh, so we'll move on to number six then. Oh, I've got Sikander Raza coming in. The same. The, 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 the modern day. Yeah. The modern day Zimbabwean enforcer. His record's very good. 
And he's a very good player. Yeah, I, I, I've got a place for him. And plus, we're getting something out of him with his off-spinners as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a lock for me, number six. Yeah, excellent. This is going well. 36, uh, strike rate of 85, uh, 600s, 20 50s. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the fact that I think he's almost, he's quite high up in their all-time leading wicket takers as well. So... 76 wickets. It's He's going for him a bit. 43, 44 almost. Less than five and over. But he's... Averages he, aren't as important in one-day cricket as what your, your runs per over are, I think. Because I, you can bowl a great spell or have a great tournament if you've gone none for 30 off 10 overs for three games. I think as well... But then you'd get a wicket and you'd have an average of 90. He's, you know, right? he's very... What's the word? He's talismanic. Yes. Especially for this... Yes, yeah. team. He's he's a guy that he's, he's a leader. That like his record might not say so, but I've seen him bowl some big, big spells with the ball. And like yeah. he's he's not pre- he's prepared, I should say. He is prepared to bowl the tough overs and, yeah. and get a job done and he's he's becoming a better player all the time. Yeah. So Well the fact that he's over in the IPL, he's been picked as a as a player to go and play in the IPL and has done relatively well, didn't have a great tournament but didn't have a really rubbish one either um he's certainly of a, of a world-class standard and deserves to be in this team yeah absolutely and i think uh 2020 cricket even he's he's um much well higher regarded than that because they play off you a lot more 2020s but uh, yeah. he's definitely a, a white ball gun yes. for zimbabwe in, in in all disciplines really uh, so I suppose this is going really well. I thought this was going to take quite a while, but we're, we're, we're on the same uh, wavelength. Um, I've got Elton Chigambora at seven. I actually had him in the team, but I had him a little bit lower because of the balance of the team that I went with. But he, yeah, um, number seven, because I was going to... I was toying with Andy Flower not keeping and bringing him to 10 to tie boot about at seven, but Chigambora fits in very nicely into this team at seven. Um, very good record, you know. Was it twelve fifties that he's got in in international cricket? Um, yeah, he's got a really good record batting at seven. He's sort of a bits and like this is where we start talking about the lost bits and pieces players for Zimbabwe. Yeah. Like he's on the face of it, his numbers aren't great. I think he averages in the high twenties with the bat and in the yeah. low forties with the ball. But this yeah. is a guy that was a former captain of Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, you know, really sort of shoulder the load at the time when Zimbabwe cricket was at absolute worst. Uh, and I think for the role, batting at seven, he's got uh, a strike rate over 80. He's rattled off 1250s batting at seven. This is a guy that can finish off an innings for you, yeah. give you some handy overs with the ball. Like, see, the thing is with this, I see a lot of bowling options for Zimbabwe yeah. and maybe not all of them will bowl 10 overs. There's yeah. going to be a few that will and then a lot of them bowl six, I'll a lot look, of bowl seven, yeah, some of them I bowl think, four. I think when we look at the, the team overall, if it's going the way that I think it's going to go, we're going to have seven or eight bowlers in this team. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, um, even guys like Alistair Campbell used to bowl. Grand Flower bowls. I think it was because there's there's not a lot of talent depth in Zimbabwe that if you're a good enough player to make that side, you're probably yeah. fairly skilled as it is. If you're a good yeah. enough bat, you're probably a real a naturally talented cricketer that you'll probably be a handy enough. I think that's probably why you see so many all rounders yeah. coming out of you know the African nations. You know, yeah. the South Africa seemed to have so many of them, and Zimbabwe seemed to have. A lot of guys that dabbled in both disciplines. It is just the nature of it. Is if you get to that point where you're far enough along, you've you're a naturally talented cricketer, and they've tried to 
mold. They haven't sort of said, now nah, put the ball away and just bat. They're, no. they're at the point where the, the, they've tried to encourage all the skills. All the skills. Try and get as much out of you as they possibly can. Uh, so number eight, I think this is going to be one of the other really straightforward ones. I can't imagine we've both we've deviated too far here. Heath Street, Heath Street. Enough said. Um, yeah, one of the just absolutely special players, along with Andy Flower, is the truly world class. No. Um, Walked into any test team that he played against, basically. Thirteen uh, fifties, average twenty eight, batting sort of eight or nine. Really no. good sort of guy to come in and help for sort of polish off. Uh, polish off in innings, and then um, with the ball is obviously where we need He's the all-time leading wicket-taker by a fair margin for Zimbabwe, 237 wickets at 29, um, seven four-wicket hauls, one five-wicket haul, economy of four and a half, strike rate of 39. Um, yeah, it just it just speaks for himself. He's, he's world-class. He's a world-class player. He's one of the few that Zimbabwe have genuinely produced, and he was obviously going to be in this side. Yeah. Does he captain or does Flower? I think that's probably the only real question that we've got. Oh, Andy Flower captain. You got Andy Flower captaining? Yeah. Uh, all right, so next on the list, I have got Graham Kremer as their spinner. I have Paul Strang. Mm-hmm. This is another one. There's quite a few. I almost went Ray Price as well. Yeah, Ray Price was right up there as well, but I'm sorry. I just keep seeing Matthew Hayden dispatching him onto the roof at the whacker. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't know whether that's made me biased against him mm-hmm. or not. Um, so, is more of a modern player, 09 to, uh, to 18, uh, 119 wickets at 30. Yeah. Um, three five-wicket hauls, four four-wicket hauls, string... Played 90s through 2000, 96 wickets, average of 33, similar-ish economy, um, little slower strike rate, but still two four-wicket hauls, two five-wicket hauls, um, both very respectable records. And leg spinner. Uh, I think Kremer was as well. Was he? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, then, who's the better bat? I'm just having a look now. Bear with me. Yep. Because <laughs> um, I know Paul Street, Paul Strang was a pretty good bat. Yeah, we probably have to give the edge to Strang in that department. I think he ended up with a career just over a thousand uh, one-day national runs in at uh, twenty-two. Um, Fourteen was the response for Kremer, and I think as we talked about um, a little bit earlier, so Kremer played the more modern day where he's sort of playing more against what we'd sort of say that the minnow nations, yeah. whereas you know, the the Strang. golden age of Zimbabwean cricket sort of had to do with with strains. So we would have played against you know more games against India, England, where it took a lot of wickets, and you know Sri Lanka and South Africa and things like that. So I think in he's part of a a, a more winning environment. Absolutely, so Zimbabwe's strongest point was in that sort of era, yeah, and man. I think that you'd probably go. With there, so I'm happy to go Strang as the the spinner in that. So I think yeah, a few extra wickets for um for Kramer, but he makes up with a you know a few more runs for for Strang and playing in in that. Well, that team. was always sort of going to be the type of toss ups that we had to do to with this team, wasn't it? It was always going to be a couple of guys who were very very similar to one another. Um, yeah, but I, I, I having seen Paul Strang play, he was a very handy leg spinner. I thought he was actually probably better than what his record would suggest, and could bat. Oh, it so, looks. It looks like you know from the things that it's one of those cases that if you played for you know a New Zealand or you know, Australia or South Africa or a team that's probably going to play more games, we'd be we'd be talking about him a lot more. But Zimbabwe, yeah. obviously, you know, that went off that cliff in the sort of mid thousands where yeah. everything just went wrong for him. Like, yeah. So, 
Um, who have you got at 10, then? We've got to get into some fast bowlers, I would imagine. Yeah, oh, look, I um, I think I've got to go with the, with the chicken farmer, Ado Branders. Oh, I went with him as well. I thought I'd be sneaking that one in, and then people would pick that up. No, after doing my research, I, I mean, I had him on the periphery of the, of the team, but then you look at... These teams we we try to put them together. They have a ba- try to have a balance to them. I think he brings a balance, you know, opening up at the other end from streak that is is good for the team. He's very steady. Um, can be a wicket taker. Yeah, uh, he was genuinely a, a quick bowler going around as well. Um, one thing to I know if Glenn was here, he'd be sitting there. I can hear him. I think if I listen carefully, going Andy Blakeham. Andy Blignow. <laughs> uh, I think that um, was Andy Blignow was Brandes 2.0. He was a, a more than handy light order hitter. Yeah. Batted at a really high strike rate. I believe it was in the high 90s. Um, same as Blignow batting in the um, in the early 100s for his, which is really good going. But um, Brandes actually managed to make it as high as uh, 16th in the world for ODI rankings, yeah. which is it pretty a, good going. He was more than a more than a handy bowler, more than a handy, um, more than a handy cricketer. Yeah. Um, so you know, and not a guy who's got doesn't have as many fifties as Blake, no. But at this point, at ten, neither got a bowl. No. And, and Andy unfortunately has a pretty pedestrian yeah, he, um, he, 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 record with yeah, the ball. He disqualified himself for me with the ball. I mean, I, I like what he brings with the bat, and the strike rate of up over 100 at that, in that era was pretty special, but we can't have one of our main bowlers going at 48 a wicket. Yeah, and when you look at um, his uh, Brandes has got, I just had it here, uh, so 59 matches, 70 wickets at 32, pretty yeah. good going, uh, economy of 4.8. So that's that's not bad. That's that's really not yeah, bad um, overall. Uh, and then for for Bligno in fifty four matches, he's only taken fifty wickets at forty one, going at five and a half. Um, I just yeah, it was good to watch. Don't get me wrong, when you yeah. watching him come over there, I just think yeah, Brandon, especially the fact that you know, when you're considering it, that's been the big thing that we've done when there's ever been you know coin flipping about is especially different eras, is how did they stack up against their peers? Yeah. And in their time, a, a Zimbabwean getting as high, a Zimbabwean not named Heath Streak getting as high as 14th in the world rankings yeah, as a good. bowler is, yeah. and bowling is from doing the, their Test 11, their One Day 11. Yeah. Bowling has been their Achilles heel. They've got some classy bats that have yeah. come in and out. You know, obviously not as deep as some of these other nations, but they've got some some really decent bats within there, but bowling's where they've struggled. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then for a guy like that to be, mm-hmm. at one point, be considered you know, that highly, I think yeah. that he's, he's comfortably yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, Number 11. So, so you'd imagine that would probably be the other quick bowler. I've got – I couldn't really narrow it down. I've got two that I'm happy to throw a name at. Who have you – have you got any particular one that you want to – Oh, look, I think the fastest Zimbabwean bowler I've ever seen was Henry Alonga. Yeah, I've got Alonga as well. That was one of them. The other guy that I wanted to throw at you was Tendai Chitara, who's the modern-day player. Yeah. He's um, 82 matches, but he's also their fourth-leading wicket-taker, 106 wickets at 32. Um, and Alonga is you know, obviously ravaged with injuries, playing in a different era, only managed 50 matches, only taken 58 wickets at 34, yeah. two fourfers, two fivers. Yeah. Um, 
I'm on the fence with this one. Um, I can see, obviously, there's the the weight of numbers. You know, there's played the other thirty odd games. He's got the other. He's up over a hundred wickets, and he's still going. Um, but that being said, he's played a lot of games against Afghanistan and yeah. played for like that to get it. So if someone, you know, if you were going to say to me, no, no, I want a longer because he's the OG, he's the first like proper scary fast, and he was the first like we we gave a longer a lot of raps too because he was a cultural shift. Yeah, for Zimbabwe, he was the first uh, coloured player to to crack into the side, and we so he, he broke the mould. And I'm I'm happy to give him those sort of creds as well because again, he was he brought an air of legitimacy to the Zimbabwean side. He was yeah. a proper scary fast bowler that he'd come in and he'd zip it past people's noses to sort yeah. of that brute force to go along with yeah. sort of Heath Street's wiliness. So. Um, I think overall impact for the side, and again, this is the Zimbabwean side that you would say was at its best, was in that era. Yeah. Um, Jatara is a, definitely a great bowler, but yeah. I, I think you know overall impact in terms of who you'd want on the, the best of their team. We, we need to revisit him in five years to see where his career goes because he's off, obviously off to a good start. He's got 80, was it 80 matches and 116 wickets. Mm. You trans, extrapolate that over 150 games, you're going to take nearly 200 wickets. That's a, a pretty good career. Uh, it remains to be seen if he can do that. I mean, that's getting up into Heath Street numbers. Just, um, I didn't initially consider him, but I want to throw it out there because I'm a huge fan of his and I can't wait to see what he does. So I'm fully expecting this to be a no. So don't don't sort of roll your eyes when I say it. But blessing Muzrabani. Why would it be an absolute no? Well, it's only 36 matches and he's in his early 20s, but he's taken 48 wickets at 30 with a oh. strike rate of 36, which is... We'd be, we'd be picking him on potential more than anything else. But the there is not there is not a there. single bowler with more wickets than Blessing Muzrabani that have taken them at a better strike rate. Yeah. Um, I've seen the guy bowl. I've got no problem. I was so dirty when he was injured for that Australian tour when they came out here last year. I was so badly wanted to watch him bowl. So Man. I was happy to see him bowl in the World Cup. Um, I, I think if we did this in five years' time, he'd walk into the side. Yeah. Absolutely walking. That's slide. what I mean. If we pick him now, he's a pick on spec and what he may do in the future. But if you're going to do that, you're doing it because there's a basis here for it. The reason why I've sort of maybe the more I think about it, the less I'm upset about it is because we're picking a longer. I would think we're both leaning towards a longer, I'd imagine. Yeah. 50 odd games. We've picked Neil Johnson on 48 games. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some guys that don't have a lot of massive pedigree in terms of. I think um, Brandes was 50 odd games, I just yeah. said. So this guy's 36 games. So when you're talking about that, he's he's got a fair whack of. Percentage of those numbers already up, and he's yeah. he's well on the way of dipping at those heels. I'm, I'm happy to go a longer. I think a longer yeah. is the guy that deserves it. But um, yeah, I, I think that someone out of Brandes and a longer are keeping that spot warm for Muzrabani yeah. because if, yeah. for, unless franchise cricket kills international cricket in Zimbabwe, which yeah. let's not kid around, that's actually a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. This guy will be rocketing up those. Yeah. Um, that wicket-taking chat. Yeah, I, I just think it's probably a couple of years too early. Yeah, and I'm happy. To, I, I can completely uh, get on board with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, Henry Longer. Cool. Done. Oh, I suppose we need a 12th man. Um, David Houghton. Yeah. 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 He's definitely a better test player than a one-day player, yeah. but uh, just out of just respect he, yeah. for what he's done for that country. Yeah, for respect. Uh, and, you know, he... he led them to an upset victory against Australia in their uh-huh. first ever World Cup game. And he has 
one day international hundred, and he has one day international wickets, and he was. A, can and he, what can he's he, still doing? Can he captain from, from running the drinks out? Like as a yeah. subfielder, could we get him to captain? Because he's a brilliant leader. Yeah. Um, but no, I think he doesn't. He doesn't make the team on numbers, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think so either. But yeah, just he, just the, like the guy, the guy was offered so much like lucrative money to go and do something somewhere else, and he yeah. stuck by Zimbabwe and yeah. and. He's now their coach at the moment and is trying to get them on an upward swing. And I think you'd say that largely he's he's on the right track. They're, yeah. they're tracking, I think they are too. They're tracking ahead. It's what a we, long, long, it's a long, long trip forward. What we but. seen out of them when they come out here for that very brief one day series where they really should have played a test match. But anyway, we've been down that rabbit hole. Um, there's potential in that team. There's not just one or two players. I'm really there's there's quite with... a few young players who are coming through who look like they could be good international players. That Wesley Matavere, I think, yeah. is a very talented young man. And I'm, yeah. I want someone from the Big Bash to sign him. Yeah. Him and Blessing Muzrabani, the next Big Bash draft, someone give yeah. him a punt. I think these guys... Could... Don't, why don't they just nominate for the draft? Don't they nominate for the I, draft? I don't know if they are they... nominated or not. But um, someone... Or do they need one of those certificates of... Clearance or something. Oh, they will. They need a and non-objection, non-objection clause. That's what it's um, called. So I, I'm not sure, but like I just I, th- and I think maybe they might also be trying to get involved in the South African T20 comp because that yeah. would have IPL ties, obviously. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like those guys look—they're really young and they just look like absolute great goers. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping Wesley Matavere is a guy we come back in ten years' time and do this again. Might be someone who comes up that list because yeah. he, he's a brilliant young cricketer, absolutely yeah. brilliant. And obviously, with all young cricketers, there's there's a uh, there's a bit of inconsistency in his game. Yeah. But I remember we got a seventy odd against that Australian yeah. side in that in that series. And, oh yeah, and and looked, looked really good, looked good, good. doing it. Yeah. All right, so a recap of that side. So we've got the opening partnership of Neil Johnson and Alistair Campbell, Brendan Taylor at three, Andy Flower captaining the side at four, Grant Flower at five, Sikander Raza, the talismanic player he is at six, Elton Chickenbore at seven, Heath Streak at eight, Paul Strang at nine, Edo Brandes at ten, and Henry Alonga, the OG fast bowling menace, is at 11 with um, Dave Houghton as 12th man. Uh, not a bad side when you consider the struggles Zimbabwe have had. There is there's some talent there. They yeah. I, they're a side that would, um, you know, I, if we're going to compare them to the all time sides from each nation. They they're going to lose more often than than they're not, but yeah. they're going to make teams work for it. They're, especially oh, yeah. especially yeah. with the bat. Yeah, there's some quality in that batting lineup. Oh yeah, look, you can imagine if all of like three or four of those guys have a day out, they're going to make a, a good score. Yeah, it's going to be a good score. And it's just up to the the litany of bowlers they've got to try and yeah. just junk it up yeah, enough it, to defend a total. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've got seven bowlers in there, haven't we? Well, Longo a bowl, Brandon's bowl, Strang a bowl, Streak a bowl, Chicken Boar can bowl, Flower can bowl, Raza can bowl. And then... Um, Alistair Gamble bowled. And Neil Johnson could bowl. So the only players you'd say would definitely not bowl would be Taylor and Flower. Yeah. Um... And I think that Cam would be the next one that wouldn't bowl. Yeah. Johnson. Oh, like he was just a, a, a handy, medium pace, you know. Um, but, yeah, Neil Johnson, had, yeah, so you'd be trying to get they, – they've got options. They've got options. If someone's having a bad day, they can throw the ball to someone. Yeah, let him have a bad day. Um, all right, guys, that'll do us. Thank you so much. For those of you that made it to the end, we know this was a long one, but there's so much great cricket to talk about. Uh, we are ready and raring to go for the first test of the Ashes. Cannot wait. 
we're going to go out and celebrate day one, I think, as a bit we of a are. two slips and a gully group. So that's going to be good. Uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about everything from the first test and hopefully what is a resounding Australian victory at Fortress Edgebaston. But until then, guys, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.